Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. This week we've got a really exciting, kind of unique episode for you. And I had the opportunity to go down to the Oklahoma Council on Public Affairs to talk about some of the policy work that they're doing on education. The OCPA is an Oklahoma think tank committed to advancing principles and policies that support free enterprise, limited government, and individual initiative. Some of their work pertains specifically to Oklahoma, but if you don't live in Oklahoma and you're listening to this, we really only use an example from Oklahoma to kick off the discussion. Um, Most of the conversation has to do with tensions over religion and education, things like LGBTQ bathroom disputes, um, sports, obviously, whether or not Christian curriculum should be used in science classes, and then one of the things that they're really uh, making a big difference on, the importance of school choice. In the beginning of the conversation, you'll hear us talk about the difference between politics and policy. And for those of you who hear the word policy and immediately want to turn this off, uh, I, I think you'll start to hear why there's an important distinction between those two things and why the principles that they advocate, although not overtly Christian, enable a lot of Christian beliefs and commitments to take root in our culture. So you'll hear a bunch of voices on this episode, uh, more than usual, and because of that, there are some places where the quality is probably not as good as it usually is. And uh, in addition to that, there were like an inordinate amount of motorcycles going by while we were recording. But you'll hear from Jonathan Small, who's the president of the OCPA. You'll hear from Dave Bond, who's the VP for advocacy, and that's the lobbying side of the organization. And then lastly, you'll hear from Brandon Dutcher, who's the senior VP and oversees a lot of the policy research they do. So I learned a ton from this episode and this conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm here with Dave Bond, Jonathan Small, and Brandon Dutcher from the OCPA. And uh, Jonathan, I just wanted to start out by asking you to give a quick overview of what you do and what the OCPA does. Thanks a lot, Cole. I am the president of the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs. We're what's known as a think tank. Mm -hmm. We're pretty transparent about the fact that we're a free market-oriented think tank, so we view the world or have a worldview on policy based in the principles of free markets, limited government, individual initiative, and personal responsibility. And what that looks like every day for us is we're constantly analyzing what state government is doing in Oklahoma, sometimes what the federal government is doing that might have a pretty direct or immediate impact on Oklahoma, and then sometimes local government. Part of the reason why organizations like ours exist is because policymakers at all levels are daily producing new laws, regulations, amending them, um, eliminating some, we hope. And so our purpose is to try to give voice to Oklahomans who support those four principles I mentioned, which are free markets, limited government, individual initiative, and personal responsibility. We're a 501c3 nonprofit, so we are supported by donors, mostly in Oklahoma, some nationally, who have an interest in seeing those principles adhered to in the way government works every day. Right. Well, I want Before we get into any specific issues, I just want to ask you guys to talk a little bit about policy. And uh, so when you say think tank, I'm sure there's a lot of different conceptions that people have of what that is. And some of it might be 
what is a think tank? Right. I mean, they're kind of a cool, yep. ominous yep. You know, title uh-huh. of a bunch of people sitting around, you know, Correct. coming up with policy and stuff. But it just it occurs to me that there's a difference in a lot of people's minds between politics broadly and policy. And right. So politics, generally, you think of what's going on in, in Washington, certainly what's going on with Trump. You think the impeachment hearings, and a lot of it is cult of personality. But underneath that, there is a whole world that most people don't see of the things you hope are going on in politics, the debate of ideas, helping people, initiatives, uh, public policy um, that's actually going to make a difference in people's lives. So tell me just a little bit about the role of policy on a state level, on a a federal level, uh, what you guys are doing as a think tank to make politics work. Correct. Yeah, no, it'd be just like any if you thought took it away from the political government realm and in business organizations have an approach or strategy to how they're going to move materials and costs of goods and all of that to the market and hopefully sell their product. And so in the public policy space, it's very similar. There's various strategies or ideas about how you get things done mm-hmm. and the approach you take, that same thing happens with government and public policy. You're exactly right. A lot of times how we address how government is going to relate to Oklahomans or Americans or Oklahoma Cityans mm-hmm. or Edmonites, wherever you might live, yeah. a lot of times it's all through the lens of, well, who's the Republicans or Democrats in D.C.? Right. But that's just a very small portion of it. So, for example, at OCPA, we work on a number of issues that you might think the casual observer would say, well, that tends to be something that a Democrat would support. And then we work on issues where another casual observer would say, well, that tends to be something that Republicans would support. And that's because what we're about is trying to get good policy achieved in Oklahoma. And... You have to do that mm-hmm. by having relationships with lawmakers. That's yeah. just a part of it because they're the ones that are the elected people. Mm-hmm. But OCPA, we've been around since 1993. Brandon can tell you all kinds of stories where, though some people might label us conservative over the years, we have been accused of um, all kinds of unspeakable evil by Republicans who were upset yeah. with us oh, for sure. pointing out something. So, which in today's world is kind of a sign that you're doing some really quality exactly. things that you're getting grenades lobbed. Exactly. We, we finished the year and we had both sides mad at us. We yes. feel like that we did that's exactly. We, well. That's yeah. what we did exactly what we were supposed to do. But I, I'd like to turn it over to uh, Dave Bond. So, Dave Bond is head of our advocacy efforts at OCPA. Mm-hmm. So, he is the one that has to bear his cross and daily during legislative session enter the bowels of the state capitol. And he has got a really good perspective on why for believers and really citizens, we need to take seriously being involved with officials who have rule over us in some form or fashion. Right. Uh, Yeah, I, I... You know, politics can be very icky to a lot of people. Um, The concept of a lobbyist is very icky to a lot of people. Um, I'll never forget when I I, uh, had first started as part of the OCPA family. It was the first Mm -hmm. time the OCPA 
family had any kind of daily presence at the state capitol. First time uh, there had ever been a registered lobbyist that was part of the OCPA family. And uh, it was, I think, Thanksgiving of 2010. I had started <laughs> earlier that month. And we went to see my wife's family in Arkansas. Oh, man. Her grandmother said, now, Dave, tell me about your new job. And I... I had already come from the world of campaigns, so there was probably already <laughs> so there was probably already a stigma. But um, I started saying, "Well, I'm a policy advocate," and trying to explain what that means, which probably is kind of odd. And it wasn't clicking, and I could tell it wasn't clicking. And Marcia just all of a sudden breaks Your wife. down. Yeah, my, my wife all of a sudden just breaks down and says, "Grandma." He's a lobbyist. <laughs> and her grandmother said, oh, Dave, oh, no. <laughs> Literally what she said. And I, I start trying to explain, well, yes, but it's for things like low taxes and school mm-hmm. choice, and it, it didn't help at all. Yeah, once that word <laughs> yeah, it was, uttered at the Thanksgiving dinner table. She still loves me, but um, it's, yeah, she still probably prays extra for me. Yes. Uh, which is probably good. Yeah. So, but I think a lot of folks in our in America today, certainly in this part of the country, but probably most parts of the country, just regular folks, you know, those politics and lobbying, those aren't terms of endearment mm-hmm. to most people. And I, I totally get it. I, I mean, it, it is the world's second oldest profession, and I, I know that. <laughs> and it's fine. But you know, it there are going to be folks filling every one of those elected offices, mm-hmm. regardless of whether. Um, regular folks who may or may not be believers but are taxpayers regardless about whether they're involved and whether they get involved I mean mm-hmm. those folks are somebody's still going to get elected to all those spots right. bills are still going to get passed and signed into law whether or not uh, believers are involved or not yeah and so with that in mind why would, why yeah. would folks not want to be involved folks are still going to make laws that govern our lives, whether or not we're involved in that process or not. So, I mean, that's just reality. It's going to happen at every mm-hmm. state level, at every local level, at the federal level, regardless of whether we're involved. So, mm-hmm. why would we not be involved? I mean, yeah. believers tasked with being in the world, but not of it. Mm-hmm. But we also, I think, still want this to be a state and a nation where people are free, where yeah. people are free to send missionaries to preach the gospel and, and mm-hmm. to serve the less fortunate in all corners of the earth. I, I think yeah. America is still the home base for all that. Sure. Uh, more so than any other country. There are a few others that, that do it, but I, I think we're the home base for the majority of it Definitely. in the world today. So if we want to preserve that, mm-hmm. we we got to be involved. Yeah. Well, I think that there's some, something that Christians are waking up to is that re- religious liberty is an issue bigger than just being a Christian. Right. Uh, you know, 200 years ago, I think when you thought religious liberty, you, you had the convenience of, of maybe thinking broadly, right. but in actuality, only having to deal with a few different competing claims. Right. And those claims were competing viciously. I think right. that's one of the, the lies of the founding is everybody all believed and right. you know, exactly. singing all the same praise songs. And, well, just, my uh, sons are <laughs> seven and nine. Yeah. And just the other day, I think it was this weekend, uh, one of them, I, I don't know, I, somehow, the, it was probably Sunday, uh, the concept of uh, you know New Testament believers being 
persecuted and killed right. because they believed in Jesus Christ as the Savior. Um, and I don't remember which one of them said, but that stuff doesn't happen today. Uh-huh. Uh, they're seven and nine. They live in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Right. And I said, well, uh, yeah, actually it does. Um, mm-hmm. There are believers in certain parts of the world who get killed because yeah. of that and publicly executed because of it and they're old enough to know what being publicly executed means so yeah I mean it, yeah, just I mean it, it can get bad if mm-hmm. folks don't stay vigilant for religious freedom which is intertwined with most other freedoms in this country right and Cole we do see I mean scripture is pretty clear about believers um, being in a position and being called to work for the good of whatever area they're living in. Uh, so we see, we see commandments both in the new and old Testament for those who, uh, claim to follow the one true God to be a part of trying to be peaceable, trying to create environments where people are encouraged to turn towards God. Uh, and so those are things we shouldn't be afraid of and there's ways to do it without having to take an allegiance to one party or another. I think that's part of what ends up holding a lot of believers back is they feel like being involved in civics means they have to pick a side. And you don't actually have to do that. There are sides that tend to lean one way or another, but there's so many policy issues that are at place in both Oklahoma and nationally where you can get involved yeah. And it doesn't force you to have to become a cheerleader for right. President Trump or a cheerleader for President Obama. A part of the reason why OCPA is based on a set of principles is because we really have, you won't find this in our mission statement, but all of our founders and our staff believe in the fallenness of man. Sure. And yeah. we have a humility when it comes to the uh, approach of how good man can do for others on his own, which is the track record of human history is that it's pretty dark. And politicians uh, tend to be a reflection of the folks who elected them. Totally. They, yeah. uh, in you know, society yeah. at large, I mean, I think one of the things we talk about on this podcast and everybody I think is talking about right now, and this is something that Christians are really waking up to, is that, that politics and our institutions are downstream from culture. Yeah. And culture is downstream from the little groups of individuals, families and social institutions, and obviously now you can have that digitally mediated, right. you can have digital interest groups, um, that make up our country. And so there is some individual responsibility when we think of, oh, well, you know, I'm so upset about the way that politics is going or something like that. Well, individual responsibility is really where we come back to when we think about how to make change. And so, um, you know, one of, the, one of the topics I know you guys have done a lot of work on that I, I wanted to talk about is in education. Um, and... Obviously, everybody sitting at this table has done a lot of work in this area from different angles. Uh, the, the story that caught my attention that you guys were covering was uh, the letter of recommendations that Joy Hoffmeister and her department sent to Oklahoma schools. So right. for somebody who's just hearing this or doesn't know anything about it, give us a quick intro and then let's talk about what some of the work you guys are doing to cover that. Well, the State Department of Ed has a several e-newsletters, and one of them was to Title IX coordinators. Here are some best practices on LGBTQ. Um, you know, you start a gay-straight alliance club. You can, you know, whatever you do, don't tell the parents if someone comes out. Um, 
I forget some of the others. They but can, they, you know, they need they can change yeah, their the, gender right. in the school office if they want. Right. So right. They can use whatever bathrooms they're Correct. comfortable with. Right. Yeah. And it was Locker all cut. It was actual that. cut and paste from. Uh, Teaching Tolerance, which is a project of the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a whole other. So yes. anyway, uh, yes. George yes. In, uh, in Joy Hoffmeister's defense, she probably has no clue. This was in some bowel of the bureaucracy, and she has 400 employees. I, sure. It's not like she's personally doing it. But the state, it, she's not talking about email. But the out, State yeah. Department of Ed sent it out, and then when she was, you know, she didn't exactly repent and sought sackcloth mm-hmm. and ashes, which was disappointing. But anyway... That's just a symptom. That's just, right. um, I think as as believers, we all have a responsibility to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Right. So the question is, for some people, that's going to be in a public school. Mm-hmm. Some it's going to be in an online charter school. Mm-hmm. could be uh, private. could be homeschooling, whatever. Yeah. At OCPA, we've always worked for policies to give parents all those choices, yeah. many things to choose from. And Dave, you know, lobbyist, Bad word. I know you bumper sticker on your car. You know, don't tell my mom I'm a lobbyist. She thinks I play piano in a whorehouse. But, uh, notwithstanding, Dave has done many good things. Uh, and he helped get, you know, your listeners may not know this. Most people don't know this. In Oklahoma, right now, most children are eligible for a private school scholarship mm. right now, whether a voucher or tax credit finance. Mm-hmm. So if they want to go, if they don't like this stuff coming the rainbow agenda mm-hmm. uh, and they don't like, well, you know, a girl, a boy in my daughter's bathroom, I don't want that. Um, so they want to go to a private school. Well, now they can get a voucher or a tax credit. So those that, that's where policy has real life mm-hmm. impact that we've helped, policies that we've helped uh, pass. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to mention, Cole, I think one of the things that we're seeing and the reason why the guidance from the State Department of Ed is so important uh, for your listeners and Oklahomans is even though Oklahoma is at historic levels of revenue mm-hmm. for common education, we are at abysmal performance mm-hmm. for lack of proficiency in reading, writing, right. arithmetic, critical thinking. And contrary to some, contrary to what tax consumers think, if you look at that data, mm-hmm. it's been that way for decades. Mm-hmm. So it's not a funding challenge. So we have real issues where, for example, the state superintendent of education said, Across our state and across school districts, scientific methods of reading aren't being taught, mm-hmm. which is contributing to the fact that yeah. essentially less than a third of Oklahomans are proficient in reading. And good for her for raising awareness. Right. Yeah. So if you think about it, when you have that kind of systemic problem where mm-hmm. ACT scores are abysmal, yeah. why on earth is the centralized bureaucrat education office spending an ink of time or thinking about who should or shouldn't get to go into the bathroom in Poto yeah. or in Salisaw. Right. And that and that's and that goes to why for believers worldview is important. Um, you know, call to mention a story that reminds me of this. I'll never forget we were at a couples dinner somewhere and people were asking us about what we were doing with our kids, what our, where our kids are going. Our kids go to the Academy of Classical Christian Studies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a, a school where you have both people that would be called on the left and right, sending their kids sure. to school together, yeah. 
but we're reunited around trying to shape our kids' affections around Christ. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I are at this dinner, and we're talking to another couple, similar age as we are, a little bit younger kids. And so they asked me, well, what did you guys think about as far as schooling? What made you think? And the first thing we said was, well, we feel like God gives us a mandate to give our children a biblical worldview and train them up in the way that they should go. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you're going to tell them exactly what they're supposed to do and pick Mm -hmm. their job for them. But it does mean that you're supposed to give them as a Christ-centered worldview as possible. And that parent and that was across from us said they were surprised that that was the approach they were taking. Mm-hmm. Not that, not that they disagreed with it, but that the fact that I was using terms like biblical worldview and a right. responsibility to impart that to my kids, that was something that had never crossed mm-hmm. their mind. Right. And school choice programs are a vehicle to allow people mm-hmm. both on the left and right. Cause like I said, at the, the Christian school where my kids are going, uh, we have families that would be consider themselves progressive mm-hmm. and conservative that utilize this tax credit scholarship program to help impart the worldview that they mm-hmm. think their kids should have. Right. You know, one, one of the things culture-wide and it's specifically seen in education is the if you have a, a situation where you have multiple worldviews, um, for some reason the default now is that we, we must create this secular space um, and so you can't do things like teach the Bible. Right. You can't obviously teach creation in right. schools. I, I think maybe with the goal that that would be fair for everyone. But mm-hmm. what, one of the things you're seeing, obviously, is there is no right. secular space like that where nobody's worldview takes Correct. priority over the others. And so I think some, sometimes, though, it's, we're at a loss to say, okay, but if we're not going to teach you know, Bible class in all of our public schools, but we also don't want girls using the boys' restrooms and all of that, what do we advocate for in public schools primarily? Right. We're thinking, okay, public school, everybody gets to go there no matter what you believe, background, anything like that. How do we create an environment? Um, I'm even hesitating to use the word fair. Because right. I don't really think yep, that's a exactly. good value to bring right. that. But, but I think a lot of people think, how right. do we create a fair environment for people to learn and to be educated in our cities and towns uh, that isn't, violating the separation of church and state on the one hand, again, another buzzword right. going, oh, I don't know yep. that's really the thing, or uh, without completely giving away the game to uh, right. a far-left agenda. How do you advocate in an, in an environment like that for a group of people beyond just Christians? So, I mean, our, our view is that's part of the reason why you want government to be limited, sure. because the broader government is, then the more sticky it gets about what it has to be involved in and force a choice on one other. So, but we, our society has decided in the United States of America and Oklahoma, and it's been fairly successful that we're going to have an educated public and that utilizing tax dollars for an educated public is a good. Now we could get into some libertarian theories that we don't have today, which would um, would argue with that idea. But for the most part, that's where people are. And so OCPA's viewpoint is if that's the case, in the case where government is going to have a broad-based program, mm-hmm. then it needs to allow fundamental choice. Mm-hmm. So in the past, most people don't know it. It just hasn't gotten a lot of attention. OCPA has been very strongly in support of Muslim, mm-hmm. both charter and private schools. We've right. actually helped stand up to lawmakers who were trying to 
inhibit the ability of those schools to operate mm-hmm. because yeah. we feel like people should have the ability to pick the worldview in which they want their K through 12 student mm-hmm. to be raised without government forcing an independent soul choice. Right. And I think it's real important also to point out, Cole, that there's this perception that there's, um, I, you said it, I think I'll, to be frank, I think you were a little bit too nice. There's no secular, yes, there's no secular. There's no neutrality. Neutrality. Everybody has a worldview, and even secularism is a religion. They refuse to call it that. Well, you see it in the people that say we don't want to legislate morality. Correct. Exactly. You know, all legislation is built on some kind of Correct. The same people that don't want to legislate reality want to prevent 21-year-olds who go fight our wars from smoking cigarettes. So... Everyone has a God, yeah. and if, you're, if you have a biblical worldview, everyone has a God that they're serving. Right. Um, and sometimes we're serving different gods and spheres of our life based on our own human inconsistency. Mm-hmm. But that's part of the reasons why we strongly advocate for school choice is so that people are free to choose the environment that works best for them. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to say a Judeo-Christian heavy center-right training is the best training for everyone. Right. Just like we don't think we should all be forced to have a progressive training that's trying to get our four- and five-year-olds to start thinking about what sexual escapades uh, they're interested in. Learning to read is something that people should be focused on prior to the third grade. That was something else I was just talking about with Marshall the other day. Isn't it crazy? Do you remember when Prince, uh, I think he was a symbol at this point. Uh, (laughs) He was was not called Prince. Right. You remember when he had kids and he said he was going to let them choose their gender and everybody like everybody across mm-hmm. the spectrum said that is nuts that is what what are you talking what are you doing and now mm-hmm. it, it would not be now to take the contrary viewpoint especially back to the exam- this specific example is going to get you in trouble with whatever authorities and it, and, it, and it also is part of a barrier that's being created between school administrations and parents right you see this in in a, in a lot of the uh, medical side of right. this, too, that you can have a procedure, uh, you can start a course of right. hormones or something, and you don't actually have to have parental involvement. Right. And I think I do think there's a fine line, too. I, I, I think believers have to be careful about not putting in Jim Crow laws uh, for folks of other persuasions. Sure. I think that's very important because the... I think some folks are tempted to do that, and mm-hmm. that's not right. That's not America. Well, and that's not. That's why OCPA has never said we need to get prayer back in schools. We need to get this kind of Bible curriculum in school. As golden rule-minded Christians, we shouldn't be trying to f- use the power of the state to foist our views on other mm-hmm. people, just like we don't want foist on us. Yes. So that's why choice is the answer. Well, one an example of, like, for lack of a better term, bipartisanship is. Um, OCPA is a major reason why a program called the Lindsay Nicole Henry Scholarship, um, which is, exists to help, and in a large part it often is helping bullied students. Um, some of the school choice programs OCPA promotes are being utilized by students who claim to have a, an affection for you know someone that has the same sex they do. While we would think that that lifestyle is not necessarily one we would choose for our kids, mm-hmm. OCPA doesn't try to say if you feel like your kid's being bullied and needs to get a different school because they're trying to figure out who they are, that they shouldn't get a tax 
tax credit scholarship. And so I, I think that goes to our consistency. I think the other thing, too, is we're at this weird point now of insanity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really the sexual revolution that's mm-hmm. going on that is causing a lot of this because up until the sex issue, everyone agreed that it was a bad idea to let people who weren't adults make permanent decisions about their life. Definitely. Just because they couldn't process through decision-making. An example of that is in states, um, I think it's legal in most states to have a tattoo. Well, for the most part, um, for sure prior to medical procedures that could reverse it, a 10-year-old couldn't walk into a tattoo parlor because they identified with a rock and roll guitar on their back. That, was, that wasn't something you could do. Yes. And I think even for the most part, parents could not take their 10-year-old to get them tattooed right. because it was a permanent procedure and society felt like, hey, you need to have more cognitive thought and be able to make decisions about pros and cons of the decisions you make. And yeah. today, you'll get called a hater for holding positions that Barack Obama held last Tuesday. Right. Correct. I mean, the world yeah. is moving so the fast. The movement is so yeah. fast on right. this. Um, and, and you see that most pointedly, like you said, Jonathan, when it comes to sexuality, the sexual right. revolution is probably moving faster than anything else. But a lot of issues are, are that way. I mean, you just see that in you know, Obama's legacy right. to the 2020 candidates versus where it was even right. a year ago. Mm-hmm. It's just... So... Uh, Back to education specifically, what are some of the solutions? Obviously, choice is a really great approach to then begin to uh, fight for the civic good in education generally. What specifically are you guys doing uh, when it comes to Oklahoma schools? Here's another one, too. They can talk some more about what we're doing on choice, but real quickly, uh, when are school board elections? Mm -hmm. When are the elections for people who ultimately tell the local school superintendent yay, yay or nay on... You know, whether you're going to have content from a Charlie Brown Christmas in the school Christmas, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's there's talks, you know, it talks about Jesus and stuff. So that, that's a little intimidating to some people. So right now they're usually in February or April on this day with the most sleet out of the year. You would swear that they look at the Farmer's Almanac <laughs> in yeah. the year previous What's and look bad? for the day when yeah. it's going to be bad. And we're going to pick that away. Tuesday. Yeah, and, that's, and, then, and they do. Well, even if they've heard about it, get out of there, they don't even know that, it ex- that the election, election exists. Right, yeah. so typically in, in school board elections in, in most parts of Oklahoma, I don't know if this is true in the rest of the country, but I think in some states it is. Uh, the only people who participate in those are people who have a direct financial interest in the local public school, mm-hmm. which is no one would fault them for wanting to vote a certain way on that because it definitely affects them and their family, their ability to put food on the table. That's fine, uh, but for most, you know, state offices, mm-hmm. the elections, and for most federal offices, the elections are in, you know, the first Tuesday or second Tuesday in November, mm-hmm. every other year, and. Right. Folks know when that's going to be. Everything builds toward that. Mm-hmm. Everything builds toward that. Yeah. And so what you have is you have a lot of different people with a lot of different values coming in to participate in that election. And what does that do? That provides a level of accountability and involvement for the mm-hmm. most of... I mean, the most people vote mm-hmm. in those elections. Definitely. And so if we want the most people to be involved in the decision-making for who's going to be in charge 
of a local public school, right. we've got to move those school board elections and school bond elections, which is where the money is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's ultimately a lever of accountability. That's too. huge. Yeah, and if a community wants the open gender bathroom thing, then vote for a school board member who will make it happen. Right. But if they don't, and it, could, it applies to any issue. Well, how's the money going to be spent at the local school? How many teachers are we going to have? How much are they going to get paid? Right. All that stuff. That the, You want the most people possible, the most voters mm -hmm. possible, participating in that decision. 100% agree. That sounds structural and boring and wonky. Who cares about that? But the, yeah. the, the lever that it exercises is so important. That would cover a multitude of sins mm -hmm. to move school, school well, elections to well, November. So many people feel powerless over what goes on in right. schools. I think obviously there's a hugely divisive issue, but I just remember thinking during the teacher's Strike right. or non-strike, right. you know, last year's people felt like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. They have to go get the government. It's like, well, actually, there's a lot that people right. can do about it, one way or the other. And maybe uh, the fact that I couldn't have told you when the elections are. Some people probably don't know that you, we do elect, right? Uh, Our school board members, <laughs> appointed or something. Who knows? But you yeah. know, just just a lack of information well, a lot of times, is one big over. They are appointed. Mm -hmm. Because nobody files. Right. Right. Because right. nobody right. knows when the elections are. So literally nobody files. And so they are appointed mm -hmm. many times. You know, Cole, and a testament to that it's an unfair system, and use that term, or it's unjust, I think it's better to use it. When OCBA first started pushing this legislation, we had a f retired education employee who was in the legislature. Mm -hmm. This very lawmaker, very conservative, this lawmaker told us, you don't want the kinds of people who vote in a general election voting in a school board election. A couple of other quick things that we're doing, really important. So we we sympathize with the plight of teachers. Um, we think, again, what you've said, Cole, this is why getting involved as a parent is really important, moving those elections. Um, this whole issue where teachers now aren't allowed to control their classroom, mm -hmm. where the kids run everything, it's absurd. Yeah. And no other profession do your customers get to tell you what you're going to do in your building or your place of business? Yeah. And so uh, we're pushing for ideas like lawsuit and liability reform for teachers. Yeah. So just like most of our employers provides our liability, we're working in our job. They cover us if we get sued while working in our job. Unfortunately, in Oklahoma, we have this strange provision that basically forces teachers to join organizations to get liability coverage. OCPA thinks, and for all the concerned taxpayers on the call, uh, because of many of the government immunity laws, it's actually very inexpensive for the state to cover liability for mm -hmm. teachers. It'd be $168,000 to cover all 85,000 education employees. So why that's important. So for instance, if there's a, a fight between students at John Marshall, mm -hmm. uh, and a teacher tries to get there in there and break it up, yeah. And that teacher maybe falls backwards trying to in the melee and lands on a student and that student suffers an injury and has to go to the hospital. Right now, that teacher's vulnerable to getting sued. Wow. Because of it. And it's the administration gonna have their back. Well some some school administrators might. Mm hmm and some might not. In an exit survey of teachers that had left the Tulsa, Pools, Tulsa Public School District, um, the Tulsa World, which is a very progressive uh, center-left news outlet, they interviewed teachers, and they were surprised that 
a third of teachers said they left for reasons other than pay, and it was directly re- related to lack of ability to control mm-hmm. their classroom. Yeah. And At some point, that becomes their own personal safety. Certainly. And yeah. so, so that's one of the issues we're working on. And then, obviously, a multitude of school choice programs, whether it's the Equal Opportunity Scholarship Program, um, the governor's called for increasing the size of that program so more students have more options. Uh, the Lindsay Nicole Henry Scholarship Program, in particular, it is helping uh, both foster kids and then also students with disabilities. And Cole, it's actually the idea of school choice in K through 12 is not foreign to other areas of government. Mm-hmm. We do that in higher ed. You can yeah. take your student loans to any higher education, just about any higher education right. institution you want to. We do that in our welfare programs. If you're on SNAP or food stamp assistance, you can take your SNAP card to any grocery store that operates them. We don't mandate that you have to go to the Walmart around the corner from where your housing is. As it relates to transportation, when we all leave here today and go our separate ways, we're gonna be free to choose which roads we take to head home. And there's any manner of different roads that we can take home. We're not assigned one track. And so really K through 12 education is the outlier as it comes to government services where we don't really have choice. We force people to go to a school based on their address, which particularly um, negatively impacts the most vulnerable and the next generation as far as we're concerned. Yeah. Brandon, I know you're working a lot on uh, policy and uh, a lot of the information that you're gathering here. What are you seeing for schools in general, but for Christians and their involvement with schools, what's on your radar? Well, just just giving them more choices and, and respecting. You, you look at the growth of Epic Charter Schools. It's mm-hmm. like the, one of the largest districts in the state now, and it's because people kids are getting bullied relentlessly, and parents are looking for an option, and it's been a lifesaver. Same with the voucher that, that we re- he uh, referenced, the Lindsay Nicole Henry. Uh, kids who were bullied... Kids, I've t- talked to kids who had a, you know, had a plan. He said, I knew where my stepdad's gun was under the bed. He had a plan to kill himself. You know, I hear all the time from parents that the voucher, the tax credit has been a lifesaver. It's been a godsend. And, you know, like Jonathan said, choice happens everywhere else. Uh, and some people say, well, you, you have a choice. If, if you want to send your kids to Oklahoma Christian School, just pay for it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great, except I'm working four months a year to pay the federal, state, and local tax collectors, mm-hmm. and I can't afford it. So I'm paying for these public schools, right. and now I'm, I'm out of money. Mm-hmm. And so I can't afford this other. And a voucher or a tax credit will get, get me over the hump yeah. and, and allow parents to exercise their religious freedom, their parental rights. Um, and nobody... I don't. Is it safe to say nobody in education in Oklahoma today is being persecuted? And I'll use that word mm-hmm. like Epic Charter Schools. Hmm. Is Epic Charter School perfect? No, I've never seen a perfect school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love for somebody to show me where it is because I'll put my kids in there tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but it, I, a lot of different groups have their day at the Capitol. They organize it, they build up to it months in advance and try to get all their folks there. Lots of different groups on all, on all different kinds of issues. I've never, I mean, I've been uh, active at the Oklahoma Capitol literally for most of my life, and I've never seen a, a group have a day at the Capitol in Oklahoma like Epic. E- even 
You look at Rose Day, the pro-life day, the kind of, and mm-hmm. the types of folks who turn out for that. You look at the homeschool day where they bring all the boxes of homemade cookies, which is one of my favorite days of Kevin. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's different. You, 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 you kind of know the vibe of those folks. But this is different. Huh. It's what blew me away this last year in particular, it's a lot of nuclear families. You can tell it's a, we, we have the disadvantage, we have the impoverished, we have the most vulnerable, which Jonathan was talking about, and we have to get them some help. But you also have middle income families mm-hmm. in America and in Oklahoma. And that's what most of this was. There are thousands of them. And you could tell at least one of the parents is there on their lunch break. Mm-hmm. You could tell. And you just look at the kids. These are just regular kids in regular middle-income families. And tens of thousands of them are leaving the traditional public school system. And they're not going to some snooty private school where half the kids drive the Lexus. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, but their parents have made the choice. It's not working. Our middle-income kids are falling through the cracks many times, thousands of times. It's bullying. Mm-hmm. There are other reasons too, but it's it's not just the most vulnerable who are falling through the cracks, yeah, and, and getting lost in the mix. It's also just regular middle income, regular kids from middle income families, and you can tell. A lot of them have glasses. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a polite thing to say, but a lot of them have glasses. You could see a lot of them getting picked on by kids, who are more popular, mm-hmm. and anybody who knows what that's like, and a parent. Who's mm-hmm. been through that with their kid? Yeah, and see the, the, I mean, trauma to a human is real. Mm-hmm. Whether it's, I'm starving to death, or whether somebody is, bullying me. Yeah, trauma is trauma. Yeah, and, and especially to not a child, being loved right. in those really formative times in your life. And, and some of these schools are, some of these high schools, public high schools, are massive. Mm-hmm. How could kids not get lost in the cracks? Mm-hmm. How could how could every child get what they need? It's not possible. It's not fair. For, mm-hmm. to expect a public school to perfectly serve every kid who comes to the door. I, I think that's right. what we often lose sight of. It's, yeah. not po- it's not possible for any school to yeah. do that. It's just, and so you have to give families some options. And in Oklahoma, thousands and thousands of families are taking you up on those options. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, it's not even always anybody's fault right. that a kid falls through the cracks. But yeah. it happens. And what kind of lifeboats, what kind of lifelines are available for those kids. For too many kids in Oklahoma, they're not available. Yeah. There's a lot more available for a lot more kids here than used to be the case. But there's we, there's still a lot that are needed. Yeah, and that's a really important point. Um, to zoom out before we close, uh, so, you know, we've been talking about the way that policy, especially certain policy commitments, certain visions for how our society should be and how people should interact with each other and, and with society as a whole, um, shapes the way that you approach really practical issues like education. Right. Um, and so it, one of the things that's really clear from hearing you guys talk is that part of being a Christian is also advocating for uh, your civic duty and uh, being a part of, of society. And so if we're to step away from education as an example, uh, what are what's one other thing that you guys are passionate about that you say, okay, for Christians that are looking to do their duty as a citizen, right? Um, this is something that you should be paying attention to. Or this is something that we feel really strongly about. Yeah, one that's interesting, enough, and it's an area that OCPA started in probably in 2016 or 2017 was the 
was the issue of criminal justice reform Mm -hmm. and really looking at uh, how our laws are determined. Um, And it actually, when you look at the issue of criminal justice reform, it actually fits in very well with the principle of limited government. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, particularly for believers, we ought to tend to believe towards the idea that if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat, um, that people should take care of their own. Well, people have to work in order to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, millions of Americans weren't able to work because they got minor felonies. Often they were drug-related felonies. Um, So these are people who made mistakes based on something they got addicted to, um, not because they're dangerous and we're going to try to physically hurt someone else. So what we said at OCPA is, uh, how can we create a criminal justice system that has laws for those who are dangerous and who will take the life or, Mm -hmm. you know, seize the property of others. Um, But then amend laws for those that who are just struggling with some sort of addiction Mm -hmm. uh, because we want people working and we want people caring for their own. Um, We don't want thousands of citizens, which is the point we got to in Oklahoma, where we've so over-criminalized so many related drug and other minor property offenses um, that now taxpayers are forced to house at anywhere between sixteen and $28,000 mm-hmm. per person, someone in prison. Right. And it actually fits well with Scripture that mm-hmm. to the extent we can, we want, we want systems of accountability and restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes, I think, uh, prison for minor offenses. Again, we're not yeah. talking about violent offenses, but minor offenses as the easy way out. It was right. easy just to lock that person up because they just continued to mm-hmm. become public in talks or because they preferred some sort of drug of some kind. Yeah. And so I think continuing to be wise about criminal justice reform is important. We need to make sure that it does not turn into an effort that says, no one needs to experience justice regardless of what they do. But for offenses that are short-term in nature, that relate to physical failings and shortcomings Mm -hmm. that aren't harming others in the immediate, we really need to continue to shift to a system where Oklahoma eventually is no longer putting anyone in prison for nonviolent offenses. That's kind of of the vision that OCPA has, all based out of that we think people need to have both individual initiative and personal responsibility. And they can't do that if they're in prison. And then taxpayers are paying for their family in the foster care system, Medicaid, free and reduced lunch meals and things like that. Brandon, do you have... Yeah, I think one thing we noticed from being down the street here is people that get sent to the Capitol, lawmakers, they think, okay, there's a problem, a constituent has identified a problem, there are problems in the world, I've got to solve it. Mm-hmm. I've got to solve it at 23rd and Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were 2,000 bills just introduced for this session. I've had Nearly 4,000 over the last two years right. in this current legislative wow. session. And I've had the misfortune of looking at all of them and reading a good wow. chunk of them. I mean, it's part of it. So, um, and I, I just would urge Christians to zoom back and think about it. Okay, just because there's a problem, does... Government have to solve it, mm-hmm. it let alone federal or state. I mean, uh, are there other institutions of society that God has ordained? Yeah. If there's a problem, okay, maybe the state government should get involved. Maybe there should be a bill. But before we do that, let's think about it. Should the 
Could the family solve that? Could the church solve it? Are there any nonprofit organizations or other institutions of civil society that could, could solve the problem cheaper and likely better than government? Uh, so that sort of sphere sovereignty, I think, is lost, and that's something that I would encourage uh, people to think about. Yeah. Well, it's easy to forget, uh, obviously, that part of the core of politics is solving problems. Um, and it's also easy to forget that in the Bible, there are other mechanisms for solving right. problems. The individual, the family, the church, right. uh, broadly and specifically, churches uh, in our country that have a role to play right. in shape society. So, guys, thanks so much for being here and for taking the time to talk. And I hope to everybody listening that this was an, not just uh, informative, but it was also encouraging to uh, step up into the role that we have to play as citizens and as Christians. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the So We Speak podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a comment, leave a review, email us, tell us what you like about it, tell us what you'd improve about it. Thanks to all you guys who are listening, and we'll see you next week on the So We Speak podcast. (laughs) 